Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to A Cup of Madness. I'm Alexander. And I'm John. Glad to have you with us today. We've got a good show for you. We're going to be talking about New Year's resolutions. Today, I have the most common New Year's resolutions for 2018. Eat healthier, get more exercise, save more money, and focus on self-care, which is important for us all. Sounds about like what I expected. You tried any of those, John? <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't set aside the New Year for them. <laughs> That's good. Give it a go whenever you feel like it. Pretty much, pretty much. Okay, well, with this podcast, we're going to be touching on all the different areas, try to give you a whole overview of New Year's resolutions. We're going to look at the history of it. We're going to look at some of the science behind it. We're a library, so we're going to try to throw in some books for you, of course. Uh, it should be a good show. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, John, you want to take it away with a little bit of entertainment news on resolutions? Celebrities doing New Year's resolutions of the past have celebrities from all eras, ironically someone that I'm not too fond of, but she had really great resolutions, was Kim Kardashian. Uh, <laughs> she kind of stunned me on that. She's, she talked about she wanted to be on her phone less and be more in the moment, train really hard, and be more consistent, which I thought was really, really nice. That's an interesting one there, be on your phone less. Uh, you know, I, I really pushed against getting a smartphone. I actually carried my old brick phone for 10 years and three months before I got this iPhone. This guy, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't know about you, but I can't put this thing down. I'm constantly doing things with it. I try to be aware that I'm constantly doing things with it and then put it down, and sometimes I banish it from my life. <laughs> you ever leave the house without it? Yes, I do. But I, I enjoy the freedom from the electronic shackles. And that goes for normal phones as well. Yes. Um, I, I, I really am perfectly fine being out in the world 1980s style with <laughs> nothing out there to support me. So, but that's just me. Yeah, good luck finding the payphone if you need it. Appreciate that. <laughs> I'll, I'll need every bit of it. Let's see. Next up, we had Jimmy Stewart. He said that he's decided to stop trying to put on weight. He said, no matter how I saturate myself with milk, butter, and eggs, I still stay as thin as a string bean, so now I'm going to forget it and eat what I like, and it won't be milk, butter, or eggs. I know, that sounds like a pretty good diet to me. <laughs> yeah, I thought so, but uh, I guess if you've been on it for so long, you're probably ready for something else. <laughs> and then we had a follow-up to that is Marilyn Monroe. Uh, Try to enjoy myself when I can. I'll be miserable enough as it is. End quote. Interesting. So yeah, she, she sounded like she wanted to jam-pack a lot in, into her life, and it sounds like she accomplished a great deal of it, and I think she's right about the misery aspect. You might as well be happy whenever you have some downtime, because something's going to come along to ruin it. <laughs> so <laughs> you might as well. Great optimism for the new year there. <laughs> I've heard of you as optimistic realism. <laughs> and then after that, we have Nora Ephron. She said, I've resolved to eat more waffles. Even though this resolution is in direct conflict with my most important resolution of the new year, to lose two pounds. Waffles are amazing. When I'm dying, I don't want to regret not having eaten more of them. You know, I'm sure we could come up with a waffle diet. I bet there is a way to come up with a waffle diet and lose weight and get a book deal. Because that's what it's all about, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty much. I like book deals. Yes. If I had one, I wish I could get one. It has to be published and, you know, make money off that on the side. But, uh, yeah, waffles are amazing. And if you could crack that code on being able to lose weight while eating waffles, 
for that matter, syrup, for that matter, butter. Actually, yeah. you know, you can use the <laughs> waffle iron for way more than regular waffles. Uh, it's a great way to make an omelet. Mix up your eggs, throw some vegetables in there, and then cook it in the waffle iron. You get all the little uh, pits. So, I mean, you can drown it in syrup and hold it if you want to. But, you know, you can make a nice protein vegetable feel filled um, waffle if you want to. Hmm. I'll go with the butter and syrup. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't I like blame those. you. <laughs> I like those so much more. <laughs> and... Um, Last, not least in this list, we have Paul Newman. He said, I will jump in the river that runs through our backyard every morning. Why? Just to get my heart started. And I really, really admire that quote because I think about how much time I spend chasing comfort. And sometimes maybe I spend more time than I should chasing comfort. But maybe a lot of the time it would be nice to get uncomfortable and to force myself to do something. In this case, he's just talking about getting his heart started for the day. You know, when you take that first plunge into ice cold water, there's nothing like it. That's a good point. Very good point. Got to get outside your comfort zone if you want to make a change. That's correct. So. Yeah. I like Paul Newman. Slapshot. Very underrated movie. That's a whole other show, though. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let's move on now. Take a look at some of the history of New Year's resolutions. This is my forte. I'm a social studies teacher by trade, so uh, I love looking at what we do now just daily that we don't think about and where it came from. So New Year's resolutions, we all know what they are. We make up things, we tell ourselves we're going to change, ways we're going to improve ourselves. It's, um, it's just one of those things. It's very secular, but it does have some roots in religion. If we back up to 1740, uh, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, started what he called the Covenant Renewal Service. It was basically just a special church service normally held on New Year's Eve, sometimes New Year's Day, and it was uh, set up to be an alternative for the big fun drunken parties at the holiday. time to uh, sing, pray, reflect on the new year. He set it up as a day of atonement, basically. You spend the night in vigil thinking about what you did wrong in the past year, what you want to change, and how to do it better. Uh, New Year's resolution history actually goes deeper than that. If we want to back up to the Roman Empire, Julius Caesar, whenever he started tinkering around with the calendar, he set January 1st to be the beginning of the new year. This was around 46 BC. Uh, he created the month of January as a way to honor the god Janus, or Janus, depending on how you want to pronounce it. I uh, think it's going to be more partying. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just had wow. one more month to it. That's the way the Romans normally do things. <laughs> Janus was the, uh, the two-faced god. Kind of a strange one, I always thought. His, his spirit uh, inhabited doorways and arches. Uh, that's that's not the position I want if they tell me I get to be a god. But the whole point of their celebration, uh, Janus having two faces, they said one face always looked backwards into the previous year and the other face looked forward into the coming year. So the Romans offered sacrifices to the deity, made promises for good conduct for the coming year. Doesn't that fly in the face of sacrifices? Yeah. <laughs> If we want to get to the oldest recorded origins that we have of New Year's resolutions, we actually have to jump back in time 4,000 years 
to the Babylonians. Uh, now back then, the Babylonians used a different calendar. They considered the new year to happen sometime around mid-March, whenever it was springtime, and they were planting crops. So uh, springtime, we always consider that sort of a renewal, rebirth of the year, the seasons. And so that was their new year. They held a 12-day religious festival called Akitu. It was a reaffirmation of their loyalty to their king and to their god Marduk. We need to bring Akitu back. <laughs> That's 12 days. It was, it was really a big deal. One of the stories about it was you know, the, the king had to be slapped in the face so hard that he cried. It, it wow. was a, a way of humility because the king was actually the head priest of Marduk, and it, you know, he had to show humility before his god. But the, the, Those are games. Those are games. That is awesome. It's a party game. That yeah. might be one we could resurrect in modern time. I'm liking New Year's more. <laughs> the Babylonians, though, would reaffirm their loyalty to their gods, to their king. They um, also, this is a big tie-in for modern day, they made promises to pay off their debts and to return anything they borrowed. So any of you who are making New Year's resolutions to pay down debt, you're doing the same thing that some guy did in Babylon 4,000 years ago. History's interesting, I think. Paying off debt never goes out of style. Oh, no. No. Well, you know, unless you go into bankruptcy. You might not hold it in such high regard. <laughs> um, let's see. We have arts and literature. And uh, just thinking about some of the inspirational books and documentaries and things of that nature that really inspired me to take another look at my life and what I was doing and revealed opportunity that I might have passed by. Uh, I thought about the Arnold Schwarzenegger autobiography of Total Recall. And he spells out his story up until about 2010. Um, but he starts off with him in Europe and just his risk taking and his moving to America on nothing. He came here with literally nothing. And he started to win bodybuilding championships. And he was in Southern California. He was a millionaire before he was a movie star. He ran so many different businesses that you would not think of, along with his other bodybuilding friends. They really launched themselves helping each other. And of course, he started hanging out with Andy Warhol and met Clint Eastwood and a bunch of other stars. But his story is the quintessential American immigrant story where he always wanted to come here. He gets a chance while he's in England. He takes it. He hops the pond to, to New York City, and he's in Los Angeles. He called his mom and said, hey, I'm going to America. That was it. Knew nobody, knew nothing. English was very poor. Yeah, if you've ever seen Hercules in New York. Yeah. Uh, he barely knew English. <laughs> yeah, and he did it, and that takes guts. And just being able to fling yourself out there on the chance. But all the while, even when he met people who would take advantage of him while he was out pursuing his opportunities, he had a good enough compass to figure out that he didn't want anything to do with those people. So he, he guarded himself, but at the same time, he worked hard, he met the right people, and... 
he's a happy, optimistic guy, despite what you think about him, he, he just is. So it was one of my favorites. And then the other one um, I thought about was Rise of the 80s Action Star. It is a documentary found on the Expendables 2 disc, but they talk about how this decade of movies came about. And any time that I've ever watched them, of course, it's excitement. That's why action is a is a genre unto itself. I thought about what would happen if I took that excitement and actually turned it into something. Getting out there and going and doing something. So, inspired by that and uh, Batman, I took Kung Fu and just got out and did more things in life. So, yeah, those... Those are two big in inspirational pieces that really got me up and going. I think the key there is people wanted to do something and they just took a chance on it. Yeah. Schwarzenegger, definitely. I've read some of his biographies before, and he's quite an amazing person um, as far as what he's accomplished. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he is. He, he had this one anecdote in Total Recall where he was talking about him and his bodybuilding friends. They were in the business of tearing down chimneys, brick chimneys and old brick and things like that. Well, the bricks that they tore down, they would build the new chimney, of course, but then they would take the old bricks, and a lot of his friends were from Europe, too, so they didn't speak English very well. And uh, so they would go and they would save these old bricks, and then they would resell them to someone as vintage European bricks. <laughs> and these people bought it. <laughs> they bought it hook, line, and sinker, and they made more money off of them. Because they got to cart them away for free. Opportunities abound. Yes. <laughs> no doubt. Yes. Just got to retool the thinking on some things and be surprised what you can do and what you can get away with. Yes. Yes. That is it. That is it. But, yeah, in, in the rise of the 80s action stars, um, I I kind of got to, to the point to where I wanted it to be more real. And, you know, you... If you do any looking into Dolph Lundgren, Chuck Norris, Bruce Lee, these guys were actual fighters that just happened to have a film career going. And that's the really amazing thing about it. And I found out while taking Kung Fu that the guy who brought that style of Kung Fu over was actually asked by Bruce Lee if he would train him. And Jimmy mm -hmm. Woo said no uh, to Bruce Lee. He told him that he could sit in on classes and, and study and watch and take notes. So it was a really fascinating kind of nice little pop culture nod to oh, definitely. The, the fighting styles. Like Bruce Lee wanted to learn it, and he was told no of all things. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, they they kept the fighting style traditional, and uh, Bruce Lee wanted to incorporate many aspects of many different fighting styles. You know, just the action movies really got me into wanting to take a martial art. That's yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, keeping with my Mesopotamian history of paying off debt, I picked a book to share today. It's actually by a local author who has a huge national following, uh, Financial Peace by Dave Ramsey. This is his old book. Uh, he has, I think he's probably put out 10 books by now at least. Yeah. But I started listening to his radio show uh, locally here out of Nashville, gosh, 20 years ago, I guess it was. Me too. Yes, and just some wonderful advice, and it's it's simple stuff like paying off debt, not spending more money than you make. It's it's interesting. He uh, he has a very good story. He shares it in his first book about how when he was younger in his twenties, I believe, 
he built a uh, very sizable real estate portfolio, had you know a million dollar uh, value to all the properties he owns. But the problem was he had borrowed on every single property and loans came due and he lost everything, went completely bankrupt. And then it's all about how he rebuilt from there, the lessons he learned from going bankrupt, uh, the simple money lessons he says, uh, as he always say that, it's, you know, the advice your grandmother would give you. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's an older book, but the information doesn't change. Um, definitely worth checking out, I think. With him, he teaches emotional control because I like to call them uh, fever pitch moments where the fever is just at its height and I want to buy something, but I mm. find that if I just set it back down on the shelf and I walk away from it, that fever subsides, especially as other thoughts take over my mind's eye on what I need to accomplish for the day. And for lack of a better term, I get distracted. I had an old friend who used to weigh every purchase he made on how many hours he had to work to cover it. So we'd go out for dinner and he'd look at the menu and he'd look at one thing and think, well, that's three hours of work. That's definitely not worth it. And so he'd get the, you know. <laughs> that's awesome. Order the appetizer, <laughs> cost him a half hour. <laughs> but it worked, you know. It's, it's a good way of budgeting if it works for him. So, yeah. But that's the big thing that Dave Ramsey endorses uh, on both his radio show and in his book is having a budget and sticking to it. And there are a number of different ways to do that. Get all the cash you need for the month, put it in different envelopes. You have one labeled grocery store, one labeled gasoline, one labeled everything you need, and you pay out of that. And when it's gone, it's gone. The other way, I started this whenever I was a teenager. I sat down and made a spreadsheet, put all the categories on there, got a spot for money in. I would put everything I'd spend. It would tally it up for the category for the month, show me where I was and uh, worked pretty well for me. So, Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace, that's his very first book. There are plenty of others. I've read probably half of them. Uh, good information if you're looking for some financial advice in the new year. Yeah, and there's another great book. It's called Level Up Your Life and by author Steve Cam. And Steve is one of those guys he had a moment like I had in my youth where he decided that he was going to do something different. He sat around playing video games and one day his game system broke and he decided that he was going to actually go out and live video games. And the experience points that he was going to accumulate in life were going to be his own. He's going to make his own adventure, he's going to choose his own path, much like you do in video games. But he wanted other people to have that awakening. One of the things that he does is he gets people on board with taking their own adventure and incrementally changing their life. And this is some of the advice that he gives. We are currently living in the system where we feel like we go to a job that maybe we don't like, we come home and spend money on things that we don't need to impress people that we don't even like either. It's a broken system. And for many people, uh, and I was one of them. I would go to a job that I didn't like. I would come home and drink some beers and play video games to forget the day job that I had that I wasn't thrilled with. And then I would stay up too late and have to get up early and drink a lot of caffeine to get over the, the night that I had before and kind of repeat the process. 
So I had to rethink, as, as I say in Nerd Fitness, kind of rethink my source code. Instead of patching hack, you know, patching like crap code, like, oh, well, if I just take Advil in the morning, then I won't have a hangover. It's like, oh, if I drink caffeine because I'm tired, it's like, no, 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 you have to go back to that first step. It's like, what is broken in this system and how can I start fixing it? So for me, that was travel. It was music and, and happiness. And I want everybody right now to start thinking about what is something in their, in their life that they, have, they would love to prioritize and they maybe haven't found the time to do it yet. So you all know how that works. Uh, how many people here would say like, man, I wish I had more time to do something? And you can be honest, you offer the article or say, I know that's not, a, you can't say that anymore, but we'll get to that in a second. So everybody says they don't have time or they don't have money or they're too old, or they have kids, and these are the reasons why we choose, or we, we say we can't do things. I want you guys to rethink everything, from, from, from what you do when you wake up to when you go to bed. We feel like we all jump into this, this system, again, the matrix that we're just kind of drifting through and, and not prioritizing. Uh, we're not prioritizing adventure, we're not prioritizing growth, so like, how can we rethink that existence? For me, it was like, okay, if I'm going to travel, I need to build a business that allows me to do that. Um, and if I'm going to build a business that allows me to do that, I need to start devoting all of my time after work towards this very specific task. In order for me to do that, I had to stop playing video games. I cut my cable. I uh, sold the things that I owned to be able to afford to do some of the traveling things that I always wanted to do. So I want everybody to say it with me right now. Instead of saying, I don't have time or I don't have money, you have to instead say, it's not a priority. So on this count of three, we're going to say, one, two, three, it's not a priority. Ready? One, two, three. Say that something you want to do is not a priority, it kind of kills you inside. It kind of makes you incrementally want to turn that around and make it a priority. Absolutely. And I think that ties in great with talking about New Year's resolutions. Figure out what our priorities are and make them happen. Because if you figure out what the most important thing is, that's where you're going to put your time and energy. That's right. Now it's time for a musical break with a shout out to local author and amazing musician David Joel Stevenson and his band Manic Bloom. If you didn't like your 2018, heed their lyrics and start a new one.
That was Manic Bloom featuring David Joel Stevenson with Start a New One, our local band of the week. We're going to take a little look now at some of the science behind New Year's resolutions. We're going to get into our heads a little bit, figure out what's going on in there. It's scary, but stick with me for this. All right, breaking New Year's resolutions is an easy thing to do. We all know that. We've probably all done it or else we're really good liars. <laughs> You know, it's so easy. Companies out there actually have business models that are based on customers not following through with the resolutions. We can take, for example, Planet Fitness. Annually, they take in approximately 6,500 new members per location. Despite this fact, gyms can only hold 300 people at a time. They plan on people getting the memberships and then not using them. Now, we're not going to rip on Planet Fitness for this. There are plenty of other things we could rip on them for, but, yeah, there's nothing wrong with their business model here. CrossFit? CrossFit. <laughs> we're not getting into that. <laughs> All right. At Planet Fitness, $10 per month. People don't feel burdened by that cost, and they convince themselves that they will use it and they will start going uh, maybe next week. And then members don't show up. They call them ghost members. Well, the truth is, you're probably not going to start going next week if that's the kind of timetable you're setting for yourself. As humans, we really hate to have our normal habits interrupted and especially replaced by new ones. Uh, think about this. You get up in the morning, you might be in the shower before your eyes are open. Uh, you might have a pot of coffee going and you don't even think about it. You might step on a treadmill before you realize there's a ghost member there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, watch for the ghost members. <laughs> well, British psychologist Richard Wiseman, and with a name like that, you know he's good. Uh, he's been studying willpower throughout his uh, career. 
He did a study back in 2007 where he tracked the progress of 3,000 people with their New Year's resolutions. His findings, 12%, or 360 people out of 3,000, managed to achieve their goals. That's it. That's sad. That is. It is. Step it up, people. You're better than this. <laughs> well, and that was the follow-up. He continued his research to try to figure out what these successful 12% of people were doing. Uh, the number one thing he found was the obstacle that's stopping everyone else. And that obstacle was relying on your willpower alone. Some people have the ability to make up their mind to do something and then follow through, but yeah, most of us, we need a little something extra. So from that research, he came up with some different ideas and different little steps we can take to help achieve these goals. Hiring a drill sergeant to yell at you? <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't need to go major pain. You know, it might help some of us, but uh, the number one thing is we just want to set some small attainable goals, and we want to define those little things. So instead of saying, I want to get in shape, be specific and have something in mind, a, dead, uh, a deadline for it. So instead of saying, I want to get in shape, say, I want to be able to walk a 5K by Easter, or I want to be able to do 10 strict pull-ups by Halloween. By coming up with a skill or a task to complete that's very specific, you know what you have to work towards, and as you progress, you get some motivation because you're getting closer every time. And then having that hard deadline, it forces us to get off the couch and actually do something. Another idea he came up with to achieve the goals was to document your success. Keep a fitness journal. Keep a food diary. You know, I'm not talking counting calories. That's crazy. Just <laughs> a food diary. If you have eggs and bacon and toast for breakfast, write down breakfast, eggs, bacon, toast. You can look back at it at the end of the day and you can see, oh, 3 p.m., I downed a bag of M&Ms. I might want to watch that. Maybe I want to snack at 2 o'clock. Mentally punish yourself. <laughs> well, and, you know, that's the other thing, the mental punishment. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> they say don't be too hard on yourself because we're all going to make mistakes as we're trying. But whenever you fail, try to learn something from it and then restart. You know, if you've eaten half a bag of M&Ms and you're on a diet, a strict diet, no sugar, uh, you know, don't beat yourself up over it. Just don't eat the other half of the bag. <laughs> Go drink some water. Take a walk around the house. You know, we're going to make mistakes. Pick yourself up and keep going. And, of course, if you can put together a support group, that always helps. Some close friends or family. Uh, Like-minded people, preferably. You know, if you've got a friend who wants to run a 5K with you, you know, you don't have to train together, but you can shoot a text to your friend saying, hey, I went and ran today. It's a good way to hold each other accountable without getting annoying. <laughs> when I started jogging, it was out of boredom. And I decided to go jogging in a graveyard. Nobody was there a lot of the time. and uh, <laughs> but, there, there were plenty of bodies there. No, that's true. I, would I hope. don't want to call them no bodies. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry if they're your relatives. I didn't mean like that. But, you know, offended dead people. Okay. So moving on. <laughs> We'd like to sincerely apologize to all of the deceased. <laughs> that I jogged around their yard. No, that's actually, um, I think that's a great idea. Uh, because I don't run unless I have to. I ran track in 
in school and I hate running. It's the most boring thing in the world to me, but a nice little jog through a graveyard, that's interesting. There's plenty to look at. Certainly different scenery. Yes. Yes, and I started off doing the first loop, and I did a walk, jog, run, jog, walk around that, and I decided I was going to make about two laps. And then midway through the summer, I decided that I was going to include the extra loop. So that way the scenery never got too old, and I had plenty of time to see which, you know, tombstones were my favorite, and maybe stop here and there and look at a couple of them after I got done with my jog. But, uh, yeah, it was very relaxing. Yeah. It's a very nice, nice workout. And and it worked because this was two days a week. And it was less than an hour. And I noticed that my waist went down because I was gaining weight. So it, it, it worked. And that's, that's just two great. days a week. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's, hey. it's not bad. And right there, get creative with it. If you want to lose weight, if you want to get a little bit better physically fit, get creative. And... Like John just said, he went two days a week. He didn't have to kill himself seven days a week for three hours in the gym. Yeah. And, you know, being stimulated while you do it is the main thing. Absolutely. It, I, it, it, it kills me to be on a treadmill running in place, which disorients <laughs> me to start with, and then watching TV while I do it. It, it, it makes no sense to me, but that's me. So. Yeah. Treadmills are the devil. Yes. Yes, they are. Sports and leisure, kind of in the vein of treadmills and gyms and things of that nature. Um, Alexander, you know, we're starting up the yoga here at the library and um, we're going to be having free classes on that from January to March. That's great. We already offer Zumba classes here at the library and those are uh, very well attended. So yeah, yoga. That's true. Just adding into it, not exactly your traditional library setup here. (laughs) Thinking about breathing and meditation and just really martial arts and I know it sounds weird to say that you know after breathing and meditation but all these things um, including exercise are uh, very linked as a matter of fact one of the first things that they teach you in Kung Fu is your breathing and how to breathe and the reason why is because whenever you deliver a blow to somebody if you exhale you there's more force to it so, breathing. Kind of like with weightlifting, you always breathe out exactly. on the, uh, when you're pushing. Or, yes, yeah. yes, exactly. And I do this, uh, I incorporate it in my stretching in the morning. And it's much easier to touch your toes without a lung capacity filled with air than it is to <laughs> inhale and then bend over and try to touch your toes without exhaling. Um, just as a small example, the breathing pretty much dictates everything. And with meditation, breathing is also a part of that. And that is very much a leisure activity. Um, Sports and martial arts are also based on it. But one person that I thought about when I was considering all this was Bruce Lee. Um, You can go back and read his stuff. He he wasn't just a cheesy martial arts actor he actually went and lived the things that he talked about he has a diet or at least what they could ascertain from his writings about what sort of diet 
you should go on. Um, as I said earlier, he combined a lot of fighting styles into one and also into a philosophy called Jeet Kune Do. But um, he didn't smoke, he didn't drink alcohol, he didn't drink coffee, and said that um, he drank protein shakes and juices um, from a commercial grade juicer. Uh, he explored a lot of diets and basically Bruce was about exploration. He wanted to find out what the perfect synthesis of health was for him and apparently he found it because if you've ever seen this man at any martial arts tournaments the things he could do they were amazing. If you've seen him on film, he actually did those things. He punched so fast they had to slow the frame rate down to get it on film. Oh, I've seen the films. It is amazing what he's doing. Yeah. The control he has with his body. Is just, I mean, I, I wholly wish that I could have that. Um, <laughs> but he, he, he was just more than, you know, a Hong Kong superstar that, you know, was married with American cinema on that. He just... He had so many insights to being able to tune your body. I mentioned the philosophy with Jeet Kune Do. He mentioned that jogging is not only a form of exercise to me, it is also a form of, of relaxation. It's my own hour every morning when I can be alone with my thoughts. There you go. And, you know, going back to the graveyard, if you're out jogging in a peaceful environment that you enjoy being in. It's you, deadly quiet there. Yes. Dude. <laughs> But yeah, you can have time to yourself. Dead people won't bother you. And then you have meditation is a freeing of the mind from all motives. These are Bruce's words. Um, his, his philosophy about food is, is one that we can all follow. Eat what your body requires and don't get carried away with foods that don't benefit you. Bruce was not um, extremely rigid about his food intake, but you know he didn't believe in depriving yourself either. And uh, he also said that health is an appropriate balance of the coordination of all of what we are. So he experimented with various types of fighting styles, various types of uh, diets. So if you want to take action, that's one thing that Bruce was, was always about. Some of my favorite quotes by him, absorb what is useful, reject what is useless, and add what is essentially your own. Also, concerning goals for your New Year's resolution, a goal is not always meant to be reached. It often simply serves as something to aim at. And going back to actually getting up and doing something to change your life, knowing is not enough, we must apply. Willing is not enough, we must do. Going back to action movies, be a practical dreamer backed by action. And don't fear failure. Not failure, but aim low is the crime. In great attempts, it is glorious even to fail. Good words of wisdom. Interesting man. We hope that you guys have enjoyed the New Year's Resolution edition of A Cup of Madness. Alexander, what do we have up next time? Next time on A Cup of Madness, we are going to be exploring the world of artificial intelligence. Are the computers taking over? Should we submit to our superior overlords? Or are we in control still? All right, guys, have a great night. Thanks for joining us. Take care.